This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Okay, let's get into it. The Luminaries is back at Housing Works Bookstore Cafe for another outstanding live edition on Monday, July 29th. This time, I'm interviewing two of NYC's most essential writer-performers, Amanda Duarte and Isaac Oliver. We'll be celebrating the launch of Gregory Kramer's new photography collection, Downtown, which features a podcast host you may know and adore, with all sales benefiting Housing Works' critical fight to end AIDS and homelessness in the city. So buy your tickies now on my website, davidgoldberg.online, you should know it by now, and make sure your shoulder pads are stiff as all hell. That's Monday, July 29th. See you there, moi. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. Mary Beth Barone is a stand-up comedian, known for deadpan, meticulously constructed jokes about religion, sex, and the fast-imploding male gender. Recently, Barone became a champion for women and gay men seeking to escape the clutches of fuckboys, a breed of fit bachelors with lofty appetites and little regard for consequences. Before the next edition of her show Drag His Ass, a fuckboy treatment program on August 8th at Chelsea Music Hall, we spoke about her journey in comedy and staged our own in-studio intervention. We are recording on the day of the eclipse and uh, I am beginning a marathon first I am going to be speaking with Mary Beth then I'm going to see my therapist and then I'm meeting with my astrologist so this is going to be a game-changing day of breakthroughs as Chani has predicted welcome Mary Beth Barone I have wanted you here for a long time and I'm so 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 happy to have you it's an honor to be here thank you so much for having me (laughs) I can't believe it's finally happening so This is where I want to start with you because we have a lot to get into and we're going to probably have to stage a little personal intervention, which I hope any baby boomers who are related to me won't be listening to. But I hope for their sake, we can pray. (laughs) So, listen, I interviewed you for print a few months ago already. And when we did the interview, what occurred to me was like, wow, when people read this, they're not even going to get half the things she's doing. Because you were in the interview, you had these little buried gems of jokes that I caught as I was transcribing it, but that really threw me. And and I've been thinking about it since, where I've been thinking about, like, what is it like to be a Mary Beth's head <laughs> and be kind of running circles around people all the time? Um, is that your first question? Yes. Uh, I would say, so being inside my head, it's a very, it's a complicated and layered place. I'll say that much to start. I think about this a lot. I've gotten a lot more introspective since I started doing therapy Mm -hmm. two and a half years ago. And I think a lot about just like who I am, like what makes me up as a person, which could be viewed as narcissistic, but I think it's kind of nice to be able to verbalize like who you are. 
Especially so, if you're going on stage every night right. and saying, this is who I am. Exactly. Yeah. And th- that's kind of who I'm presenting to the world through my stand-up. And then I have romantic relationships to navigate friendships. And I, I love my friends. I have a lot of friends. Not to brag, but I do. I have my family. I have my extended family. I have coworkers. You know, it's just like it's it's a lot to, to keep up. It's a lot of balls to keep up in the air. And I think a yes. lot of people our age deal with this. It's not necessarily code switching, but it is just like – being able to instantly react to your audience, be it one person sitting across from you or you're on stage in front of 100 people, and being able to speak to whatever you think they're going to be entertained by. And that's not to say that I'm constantly entertaining people, but you kind of fall into that a little bit, I think, being like an outgoing person. So I think about, you know, who am I at my core? Because I think like a lot of people, and I, I know this because they've told me, not subtly. A lot of people perceive me when they meet me, they think I'm going to be a bitch. And then they get to know me. And the the best moment that I have in my life is when I see people realize that I'm nice. Because it's like, it's just, you could like see on their faces that it was not what they were expecting. And uh, this is my first time coming out as nice. I've never been public about it. I've never gone on the record. But I am. So at my core, I am like actually I have a like I have mean thoughts sometimes, a lot of the time. There's a lot of things I think but I don't say. So at my core, I am kind of a bitch. But then on the outside, I am a nice person. And then performatively, I'm a bitch. So it's like it's a lot of layers. But one-on-one interpersonally, I am very nice. If I'm your friend, I will be loyal to you till the end. I will have your back. I will be there for you. You know how quickly I respond to text messages. That's true. You're very good with that. But on stage, I think people, and maybe my stage persona isn't, maybe bitch isn't the best word to describe it, but it's definitely, you know, pretty dry, deadpan, maybe a little cutting at times. So I think people just don't expect me to actually be pretty personable. And that's something that I've only that recently has been coming up more as I kind of expand my network within like the comedy community. I'm noticing that you do have something very rare in this community, which is that among comedians, you are very close with gay men, women and straight men. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what it took to get there, because I don't know a lot of people who can do that. And. I do think a lot of people read you as either kind of hard or deadpan, and you're very hot. You you like you. you look hot when you're on stage. So I think a lot of people are probably intimidated. So I'm just wondering, like, how and your Gemini, how Hi. on the journey you got here because you've been, especially the last six months, you're on a surge. Thank you. Well, I guess like being friends with gay guys has kind of been my like it's just always been the case like even my first boyfriend in high school was it turned out to be gay who's now my roommate who I love and we're best friends and I just have always there I have a group of 10 best friends from high school it's women it's eight women and two gay guys so they've kind of always just been like in my circle and then as I've gotten more into comedy I've definitely you know just been exposed I I have had you know other gay friends obviously but being in comedy there's just there are so many in the community right now and they just I don't know we're just it's like a moth to a flame I'm just like drawn Mm -hmm. to their energy and I think they're drawn to mine from what I've experienced I'm sure there are some out there who hate me but that's fine too Um, so gay guys and I, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but the gay guys that I am friends with, I feel like it has been just a very organic, natural 
um, like bond and an energy that just works together. You are like the Charlie XCX of comedy, um, I think. In I, that we like. I'm gonna you. cry. <laughs> I, don't make me become any more moist than I already am. I'm full in a full sweat right now. Um, as far as women, I think that was a bit of a harder nut to crack. Yeah. And when I first started doing comedy, I noticed that I didn't feel an overwhelming sense of warmth from other female comedians, and that is you know, a defense mechanism, it's survival, it's it's doing what you have to do to get where you want to be. And I totally respect and understand that. What I noticed was that whenever I would become jealous of people, instead of just stewing in my jealousy, I would instead just like foster a relationship. And that's not to say that I was being fake or seeking them out for no reason, just randomly like messaging them. It was like, okay, we would meet. And instead of being standoffish, I would be kind and Mm -hmm. talk to them about stuff and like even simple things like just interacting on social media or like liking each other's pictures I know it sounds arbitrary but it's really not like you pick up on those things so I've always thought like okay if I'm being given an opportunity it's gonna serve me better to share it than to sit on it and I sometimes it's tough because they say like a rising tide lifts all boats but you get I get jealous all the time I definitely have struggled with that in the past but I think at the end of the day, at least the women that I'm friends with, we are so happy for each other. It's not, it's not, I know there's only like a certain number of spots or whatever, but it definitely feels like it's more of a celebration. And I'm genuinely happy for people when they get things, which has been a shift because for a long time, you know, that those jealous thoughts can really like be so pervasive. So that was tough. And then I would say, but like overall, just even just like helping people with things is so unexpected, even if it's in small ways, like it just goes so far and it really speaks to, I think, who people are when they're helpful. You know, the other night um, I went to go to the Knitting Factory and there's a new AT&T ad featuring Marie Faustin mm-hmm. and she were, she and I were on the subway after she hadn't seen it yet and we saw it and I pointed at it and started screaming and then everyone on the subway started <gasps> applauding wow and it was one of those moments of thank god i i am learning to celebrate what's going on with my friends and then ride the momentum right rather than shutting myself away from it out of jealousy because i've learned that when good things happen to your friends if you join in on the energy you will get double you get so much more in return i think and that's again i don't want to sound fake like i was seeking people out to make fake friendships with them that's not the case it's more like you put in the the work to actually like be a real genuine person with your peers and that energy it will it will come back to you i think straight men are an interesting case because there's just so many of them but (laughs) i truly believe like if you don't want to give straight men in comedy the time of day, I completely understand that. Right. I've definitely gotten myself in a few sticky situations, like hooking up with guys in comedy, which, you know, you can try and try not to, but sometimes they just, they get you. You're already out. <laughs> it's not fair. People, you don't, like, you're out every night. You look great. There's drinks. You're basically at a party. The idea that you need to invent a second social life to meet men is crazy. It's not realistic. Okay, sorry, continue. And... I, Truly, again, it just comes back to just like being nice. I do think, you know, guys, they don't there's not as many. There's not as much social politics with straight guys, even in comedy. You know, I think straight guys who do comedy are that very, very toxic mix of 
um, introspective and emotionally unavailable. Absolutely. So they're very self-aware. They know exactly what to say. They're charming a lot of the time. Sometimes they're not. Again, I'm generalizing. But I think if you just kind of play, almost make them feel comfortable, then you'll they'll they will think of you positively, which has been my experience. So something I've been curious about. Um, I saw Rachel Senate this weekend, and I've been thinking about the two of you because um, I think in the past a lot of women stand-ups have been defined by male stand the male stand-up institution, and a lot of white women stand-ups who become like quote-unquote sex comics are basically just kind of stuck in the master's house. And I'm privileged that I get to see a lot of women comics who are not playing by those rules, who get to talk about whatever they want, including fucking whatever, and not be bound down by that. But I am curious if, I don't know if this is something that happens when you go to L.A. if you have generals. I don't know if this is something that you've had, you had to, earlier on in your career, you had to battle. Like, did you have to make it clear that you actually are original and you're not just another white woman stand up who's going to do like dick jokes? I, I, I do you get what I'm saying? I completely get what you're saying. I uh, This comes back to like just what people think of when they first meet me or see me. I definitely think that when you present – because I'm not doing it the easy way, right? No. Like I have, I have said this before and I'll say it again and this is no shade to people who do it this way. But I could probably write 30 minutes of like vagina – and period jokes and have an amazing career. Mm -hmm. I could do it the easy way, lowest common denominator and wear jeans and baggy clothes and not try to make myself like a sex object and I would be okay. But that's not what I want to do. And sometimes I think doing it the hard way is it's, you know, it's harder. And it's like, sometimes I do shoot myself in the foot a little bit, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna conform just because maybe I would get success a little quicker. I think one thing that I've definitely done is like I might post more stand-up clips online than other comedians because when people come to my Instagram, I already know what they're thinking. They're thinking this is a fashion girl mm. who wants to like post thirst traps and get followers. Well, I also write jokes. And if the first thing you see or the first thing, yeah, if the first thing you see is me in a bikini, I better have something to fucking back it up. And that's why, you know, I'm taking stand-up clips, I'm putting captions on them, I'm putting them up. Because I can't just, I don't want to be a person that someone writes off immediately just because they see my Instagram. I want them to see my Instagram and be shocked when they see that I actually, like, am funny. I want to know about, I think a lot of us have gone on a journey of, oh, I actually want to respect myself. <laughs> Because I think it's it the easy route, like you're saying, the easy route is to get on a stage and treat yourself like shit. Um, it's so easy. It's so cliche. It's so boring. Um, and I'm just so you're one of my leaders of I actually want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to feel hot and I want to feel powerful. And I want to know that what I'm doing is good. I've never gotten anything from you less than, oh, yeah, my material is going to be great. Anytime you have a show coming up and I've asked it's never a matter of like, are you concerned about the material? The material's solid. You're going to look good. So I'm just curious what your journey was in terms of the self-respect aspect. Yeah. And, yeah. I think um, growing up with three brothers, I'm the youngest of six kids. Okay. And I did have three brothers. And I, I was th just thinking about this yesterday. Like growing up with three brothers, 
maybe gave me like male confidence for some reason because I just don't I, I've never been super self-deprecating. It's like there's a difference between making yourself the butt of the joke and being self-deprecating. Yes. Because in a lot of my humor, I'm I'm saying real things that I have said out loud in conversation that are just so ridiculous that were true beliefs that I had <laughs> or like things that I didn't know that I'm shedding light on. Like my joke about not knowing that there were Jewish people after <laughs> I graduated from Catholic school. It's like, yes, that is I am. I am the punchline, but it's not self-deprecating. Like right. it's not saying like I'm gross or whatever, whatever, which is. You know, I might have some jokes about being gross, but I I just never came at it from that angle. Like I would see other comedians, not just women, get up there and just it's a pity party. They're dumping on themselves. They are talking about how they're bad in bed or they're, you know, they don't dress well or no one will fuck them or they have, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, and if that's who you are, if that defines you and you can come at it from a, a new and interesting angle, I think any... I'm not saying anyone should do comedy any specific way. I just want to make that clear. But what I'm saying is for me, it was more exciting and more interesting to subvert expectations instead of leaning into them. When I first started doing comedy, I would wear like skin tight dresses and heels on stage because I wanted to separate myself from everybody else on the show. And it's a show. It's a performance. I wanted to give it the respect it deserved. And only when I became more comfortable with myself and my material did I feel like, I should be comfortable in my clothes. So that's when I kind of took that sharp left turn into wearing like athleisure on stage, which now it's more of like a streetwear vibe, but I'm comfortable on stage. I'm not tugging at my clothes and readjusting them. And I think about this a lot too, because clothes are not meant to be worn statically. When you're on stage doing standup, you are standing still and your clothes don't always look the way they do when you're moving. So You have to have an outfit that is going to – you have to step on stage and the first thing people see, they are going to make a 100 assumptions about you. And when I was stepping out in formal wear, obviously those are different assumptions than coming on and wearing like trendy, you know, compression shorts with a crop top. So it's two different messages you're sending, but at at its core it's the same, which is like I want to be viewed as a sex – like someone that you want to have sex with. Yeah. I do. But I also want people to feel comfortable laughing at me and the words that are coming out of my mouth. And that is such a delicate balance. I have tried a few different like proportions are really important when you're standing still because mm. you're like and everything about your body that you don't like is the first thing I will see when I watch my stand up tape. So it's like not only am I standing still, but like there's hundreds of people just staring at me and what I'm wearing. So. I've played with I've played with wearing baggy jeans. I've played with wearing baggy shirts. I've played with wearing shorts, not wearing shorts. On certain stage heights, I won't wear shorts. Like wow. I am very calculating with what I wear, and I think that it's definitely an added layer of stress that maybe most comedians don't think about or don't consider. And sure, there's a show I'll show up to, and maybe you know I'm not looking tens across the board, but generally speaking, I am putting a lot of thought and care into what I'm wearing. I interviewed. Have you listened? You, I, I'm not. I shouldn't ask this. I interviewed Yeji last year, mm-hmm. and Yeji is someone I love because her music videos have been very good since the beginning, consistently good. And what I said to her was, "Now the bigger you get, the music video budget will only improve, but they'll stay consistent from beginning to end." And that's something that you have now because as the Mary Beth Barone Institution only 
skyrockets and surges, which we're witnessing right now, and you get a team and you have more people taking video, you have more people doing your your hair, makeup, whatever, it's not going to be, oh, suddenly she glowed up. Who is she now? Right. You are you are going to be the same Mary Beth Barone from start to finish, which is such a like Nothing could be better for an artist, you know? That's authenticity. And that's what I kind of did by accident. Like, I just got up there and I started look. I, I came out wearing what I wanted to wear and saying what I wanted to say. And it's all comes from me. Like, yes. it's just that that's how you are a genuine artist is when you are n- none of it's fabricated. And like, even, you know, people have asked me, like, who designs your posters or like mm. even getting my hair and makeup done for Clusterfest. I came in with an aesthetic already mapped out I wasn't like do whatever you want I wasn't expecting to get a full face of makeup sure but I said I want a matte blue eyeshadow I want slick back hair whether there's a little bump in the back or a ponytail like I come through with the art direction I just need other people to execute it sometimes and I'm lucky that I have friends who are extremely talented who are willing to help me or like the makeup and hair people at Clusterfest were amazing as well so it's like I want it everything I present to the world I want it to I want it to be intentional. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be fake. Again, like as a Gemini, I think we are mis we are misunderstood deeply because we can believe two things at the same time that completely conflict with each other. There are people who I see who I can say I don't necessarily like that person, but we are friends. Which is like it's a constant like internal conflict. And that's a lot to carry around, but there are, there are certain opinions, and, and I do have, like, I have problematic stances on a few things, okay? I'll be the first to admit I'm very upfront about it. But I can see both sides, and I understand, and I agree with both sides. So it's like, that's just, it's just, again, it comes, yeah, it's just, that's just who I am. And it's, like, constantly reconciling that. Because, like, Corbin Chase said this to me once. He was like, you're the most insecure, confident person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, that is just inherently for me, what it means to be a Gemini is like you can be both things. Mm. So that's that's a lot. I think what you're speaking to goes a lot into showing up for your dreams. Like I have been, I don't know, I, you know, like my my last uh, housing work show, I had like $40 in the bank, but I thrifted smart and I made sure that I looked like a million dollars. And that's like... Yeah, it's about being responsible and not just saying like, oh, I hope my dreams happen to me. You still have to do everything you possibly can. And you're really good about reaching out to people, expressing who you want to be in your who you want to be in your audience, too. That I feel like you're very good at about being like, I want these people there. And that's been something that's been so fun for me is like, especially with Drag is Ass, just seeing the percentage of women in the audience who are female like that to me is everything Mm -hmm. like that's what I want I want to speak for my people and I want to do it in a way that's accessible to people who are not me and not in my demographic and I think that I've been lucky enough to be aligned with like-minded comedians who I respect and who we give each other that space to to be our authentic selves and kind of reach those people I look at my Instagram like follower makeup and I see I always want there to be more men than or sorry, more women than men. Yes. I always want the ratio to be very largely skewed female. That's important to me. 
gay men, of course, I wish it got that granular, you know, on Instagram insights, but it doesn't. So I just have to go by that. So let's talk about drag his ass. Um, how, first of all, could you explain to our viewers what drag his ass is? Drag his ass is a live show. It's, it's called drag his ass, a fuckboy treatment program. And essentially, you know, I've been single for three and a half years. So I've been dating in that time and it's been uh, an uphill battle. I would say I've experienced a lot that has, um, forced me to kind of reconcile who I am and what I'm looking for. And I decided a few months ago, I'm, I'm not going to put myself through what I've been putting myself through, which was constantly being exposed to the worst, most disrespectful people in New York city and beyond. So I decided I'm going to start keeping track of how many days I've gone fuckboy free and I'm going to put it on a whiteboard in my apartment. So every day I come back to that number and my goal was to hit a hundred and I definitely had some slip ups. I would have to go back to zero and that never feels good. But eventually I got to a point where I was just like this, I'm, I'm fed up. I've had it. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And I was around like 70 days at one point and I was walking to soul cycle with my roommates and I was like, you know what? I might, it might be fun to like share this with other people. Like what my process has been to shed this and just like move on and just put myself first. And so I reached out to Union Hall. I got a date and I came up with a treatment program for, I would consider myself an, an enabler of fuckboys. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, at first it wasn't about treating fuckboys. It was about um, treating the, those that have been victims of it and giving people a stage to talk about comedians, a stage to talk about their experiences. And it turned out to be a really fun show. And I said, I, I kind of want to go bigger. Yes. So I reached out to Chelsea Music Hall. We did it with them in June. And it was one of the most fun shows I've ever done. It, and I did a fuckboy redemption at that show. So I invited Carl Radke from Summerhouse to come on the show. He was amazing. He let me talk about whatever I wanted. And uh, I interviewed him and we did you know, a confession of sorts. And then we baptized him anew as like a non fuck boy. So where that where that idea is, what it's rooted in is like educating and sharing experiences because, yes, it's called drag his ass. But my goal is not to go there and just shit on men for two hours. It's to heal as a group, as a community and educate just to to make these things more public is to help spread awareness that this is a problem. And I truly believe that dating culture is broken right now. I don't think anyone's having fun. And I would love to even just a little bit help move us toward fixing that and closing the gap because it's it's really it's sad to watch, but it's even sadder to, to experience. There's a lot to discuss here. I mean, I guess I want to start with Something is going on because I know a lot of women. First of all, let me think back. I I went a few years ago. I went to uh, I like helped when I was living in L.A. I helped set up a Jewish speed dating event. And what happened was gorgeous women all in high paying jobs doing well, dressed to the nines, best feet forward. And then. You know, the Muppets enter the room and we have true, I mean, really like creatures yeah. who come out from under the sewers. They live underground. And who can have whatever they want, by the way. And then when I moved to New York, it just kept going where and and especially now, especially in comedy, I know women who are truly like 
stars, actual bona fide stars. I'm looking at one right now who then have to go down with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it's it's just and my parents generation doesn't get what's going on. Like this isn't like Carrie Bradshaw complaining about finding the one. We're literally dealing with such a, a it's beyond an imbalance. It's now it's now like a funhouse mirror situation. And the amount of women I know who I don't want to say gave up because that's really reductive, but who just started dating other women because not out of some of them, yes, had always been bisexual, but I can name a few handful of women I know in New York who just weren't going to go through with it again. It's it's distorted. Absolutely. I think the funhouse going from an imbalance to a funhouse mirror is a, is a perfect analogy for it because it's not just like, oh, guys have the upper hand. It's like it is truly there is a divide and the gap in the middle is so large. And I I believe that it is that it comes from a place of people being so afraid to communicate mm. because nobody wants to say what they're really thinking and put themselves out there. No one wants to be vulnerable. And it's really hard to be in a healthy dynamic with someone when they're sitting on all that. And it's it's really at this point, you know, I, I've, I've thought about this. It's like I've been dating men for nine years, 10 years. Like I'll be damned if I don't find a good one, you know, like <laughs> – after all that time, that's like training for the Olympics for 10 years and then giving up. Yes. I don't want to do that. That's not what and I want. And you're at your peak, too. Yeah. You are ready for a gold. But if it's not if it's not going to – it doesn't feel realistic. Mm. I had this realization at a Charlie XCX concert Thank like you. a year and a half ago <laughs> where I was looking around and it was all women and gay men. And I thought, I would never bring a straight guy to this. We have nothing in common. Mm. Dating a straight man is not realistic for me. And then you get into this, you know, whole spiral of like, are men and women supposed to date? Like, is that even, is it realistic from like a very zoomed out perspective? I have very healthy relationship modeling in my life. My parents are still married. I have two siblings who are married. Uh, My other siblings are in very healthy relationships. It makes no sense why I am this way. But I have gotten myself to a place where I have I'm I'm almost resigned to the fact that it's just not going to happen right now and there's a whole bunch of reasons why. I have emotional walls up. I'm not in a place to let myself be vulnerable. I don't want people sleeping over. I don't want to sleep over. I don't want to bring someone home to my family. It's like all these things that I can verbalize and I know to be true and people are like, "Well, when you meet the right person, you're going to know." Maybe or maybe he's <laughs> going to be a fucking dick and ghost me like countless other men have. And it's just I'm not I'm in such a good place right now, mentally, emotionally, physically, that I just I don't even want to dip my toe in the water because that could just lead to a tidal wave of of impact for me. And the lowest point I've had in the last two years, three years was because of a guy. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, why would I let that into my life? All right, let's get into this because I... All right, I'm coming to you on my hands and knees because I think I'm at a breaking point where I feel like I am also – I have come into my own and I am operating – You don't feel like you've come into your own. You have come into your own. I have come You have. I, I watched you and it's amazing to see. And you look amazing. You Thank look you. comfortable in your skin. You know what you want. So what's going on? 
I, you know, I'm codependent and I'm dealing with it, but it, that tidal wave you're talking about, it's like the one crack in the armor and it all falls down. And I don't want to, I'm 29. I actually don't, like you said, I don't really want to be dragging men anymore. And I don't want, because I'm the one who gets myself, I make myself crazy. They don't do anything. And I know that when I make myself crazy over them, I actually couldn't tell you anything about them. I don't even know what they look like when I'm in the heat of it. I get into these dramas in my head because it's a power thing. I want to believe that if I meet this unavailable person, he's more powerful than me and he has power over me, which isn't often the case. Often they just want something chill or to have fun. But in my head, I still it's and I, I think I've seen this with some other people. I, I'm, I can't reckon that I have power and I have a chance at control and that I could like out fuckboy these fuckboys. So then I let that I give them the power and the control and I make myself insane. And I don't – sorry I'm pouring this all on Mm-mm. you. When it comes to men, I still operate out of a scarcity mentality. I still operate out of – like you were saying, I can't imagine that there's one out there. If I catch one, I better dig my nails in. When I should be realizing there are boys everywhere in New York, mm-hmm. everyone is hot. And I can have whatever I want whenever I want it, but I cannot, I can't go there. I cannot, I just, it, it's like a quantum leap for me. Well, let me tell you a little bit about where I was at tell me. and where, you know, I still go back to. So one thing I definitely do is I put men on a pedestal. So I will meet someone once and hook up with them. And then I don't even know them well enough to figure out what I don't like about them. They are on my mind and I become obsessive because I have control. I have a lot of control issues and it manifests in different ways. And I've kind of been able to wrangle some of the other ones, but this is one that still escapes me. It still gets away from me. I will watch everything they've ever done. I will listen to every podcast they've ever done. I will look at their Instagram compulsively. I will create this narrative in my mind that they're the perfect person. When in reality, if I could maybe just hang out with them a few more times, I would find any number of issues that would make it implausible for us to be together. So that's one thing. The other thing is I would always come at it from the perspective of, okay, well, if if we don't hang out right now, I'm never going to see him again. This is it. So I would find myself rearranging my schedule, bending to their every whim and wish, and gaining nothing from it. And that's a really hard – they're both hard habits to break, but I completely understand what you're saying. And I think – one thing that I try to remind myself is that dating, especially at the beginning, should be fun. It shouldn't be something that causes you anxiety and keeps you up at night. If you have to text six friends for advice on what to say to someone in a text message, there is a huge problem. If you are terrified to text the person or reach out in any form of communication, there's a problem. And it's really these things present themselves early on and you just need to come to a place where you don't let that energy in because, and you're only going to get there when you're ready. This is what I say to people about therapy. You're only going to start going to therapy when you've, when you have hit your breaking point, when you cannot do it anymore, you will hit the point where you you can't do it anymore. And that's when you're going to stop. 
you've now rec- you've acknowledged and you've been able to identify what you're going through and what what the flaws are. Verbalizing it and putting it to words is a huge part of the process. The harder part is changing your behavior. And that's something that took me a really, really, really long time to do. I would come to my therapist and describe a situation I had been in countless times before. But I would still put myself in them because I wanted the instant gratification. I wanted to be wanted. I wanted to be hooking up with someone and feel sexy and feel good and feel empowered. But I was left feeling the opposite of all of those things. And it's like now that I have a little bit more, I feel like I'm in control in a lot of these dynamics. And in some of them, I'm not. But I feel like I can take a breath a little bit. I've stopped putting pressure on myself to be hooking up with people all the time. And I just want to let in people who are going to be additive to my life and not take away from it. And it's, it's really hard to do. It's not something you can do overnight. But I know that what you're going through is something that so many people face, especially women and gay men for whatever reason. The power dynamic that we put ourselves in, it's not real. It's not. It's not. It's fabricated in our minds. And like if somebody's not serving you and you feel less than because of that person, stop fucking talking to them. They're not giving you anything. You can feel like you might change them at some point or break them or, you know, feel like the roles are reversed. It's not worth it. It's never worth it because more times than not, that never happens. And you know what I did at one point? I would write fan fiction about myself. I would write a different ending Mm -hmm. to what happened. And that made me feel better. It's just like you can't, you will lose your mind in these dynamics. And I got to a point where I just truly was like, I'm, I'm, people would, it didn't make any sense, right? And it doesn't make sense with you either. No. (laughs) There's no reason for us to be putting ourselves through this. There's none. That's why I'm at a breaking point because. Um, around Pride Week when literally men were crawling out of the woodwork. There were literally porn stars in the streets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I had this kind of brief window in time where I just felt really free and I really like, I felt like everyone wanted me and I, I I was able to take it in without feeling like I owed them something because I think a lot of my like people pleaser stuff is like oh you're nice to me therefore I have to now like put you on a pedestal that I had a window in time like we can thank the mushrooms whatever where I just felt completely free and I think that really scared me because since then I've I've doubled back down on well, why is he showing an interest in me? What's going on now? I need to give him more power um, as a reward. But but I it, it's my actual sex drive is not connected to any of this. This is completely in my head. Mm-hmm. It's a complete fantasy shadow reality. Of course, and we project that onto ourselves, and people pick up on it. It's like you had that moment of clarity, and it's scary to think, oh my god, I'm I'm going to shed this part of myself. I don't need it anymore. Sometimes when you clear everything else out of the way, like you've done, your career is going amazing. You are in control. You have autonomy. You're doing what you want to do. You're writing about things you want to do. You started this podcast. Sometimes when you clean out the closet a little bit, you see what's left that, that you can't clean up and put a nice bow on. And it's scary. It's scary to see that and be like, oh my God, how many men have I let have sex with me after doing nothing to earn that? And the bar is the lowest it could possibly be. 
I'm not discerning at all. Right. Looking at that and facing it, I did a retrospective at one point of I put put together photos of everyone I had kissed in the previous six months. It was shocking. It would shock the community. <laughs> and there's just no reason for that. Yeah. There's no reason for it. You need to take that moment of clarity and try to parse out what it was about that feeling that you can hold on to and keep with you because again, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, Mercury in retrograde this, this time around has been Mercury. You are wild for this one because people have reached out to me who like, like I can't even get specific, (laughs) but last week there was an instance where someone reached out to me who I hadn't heard from, hadn't seen in a year. Things ended terribly. He, he's kind of apologized for what had happened, invited me over. I did go over there. But it felt different because I wasn't afraid. What I found myself doing in certain situations is I don't – so if I'm drinking, I'm myself, whatever, whatever, at night. We go to sleep. I wake up terrified to say anything. I'm terrified to say anything that's going to spook them. I don't want to sound stupid. I don't want to be too forward. I don't want to suggest hanging out again. I don't want to sound clingy. There's all these things flying around my head that I'm like – Okay, just shut up and let them talk. This time, and what I've been making an effort to do more of is just just be your fucking self because that's who you were last night and that's who they went home with. Don't don't clam up just because you're scared to spook them. If you spook them by suggesting you hang out again, you shouldn't hang out again. And it all sounds so easy to say, but like, so I went to this guy's apartment and I felt like I could respond to the things he was saying because I was sober and I wasn't scared that he was going to, I wasn't scared what he was going to say because I don't care. And you haven't attached these kind of like doomsday scenario stakes to it of like, well, if I don't say the right thing to catch him, it's over for me or whatever. Because it's not. It's over for him. And what I realized was because for a long time I beat myself up and I said, is it me? Is it my fault that they're like this? And I'm not making men worse. They're making me better. Okay, hold on. Let's (laughs) let's slow down. And take that in. Could you just say that one more time? I'm not making men worse. They're making me better. Okay. So I have been saying for a while that drag his ass is going to become Oprah Super Soul level. And if you didn't believe it, now you do. I I really believe that this is going to be selling out arenas. I hope so. I really do. And not not even on a selfish level. Like, I really hope that people wake up. Because it took me so long to get to that point. So many Sundays spent in anguish waiting for a text message, Yes. text unanswered, things I had to, you know, craft every word to make sure it wasn't like off-putting in any way or going to like scare them off in any way or be too suggestive. Like there's been so much energy put into that side of dating for me and I don't want to do that anymore. So much self-hate. Yeah, and, and blame. Yeah. yeah, it's like you sit in the guilt of it all, and it's like you're putting that on yourself. No one else is. I think I, we're going to get real therapy right now, but I think what I realized this weekend was I've always had, like, RuPaul, uh, everyone has it. RuPaul calls it the inner sa- uh, saboteur. Yep. Mm-hmm. I call it, like, the shadow, basically. And whenever I'm doing well, it it levels up for a face-off and on my birthday this year which you came in from connecticut philly came in hot (laughs) wouldn't miss it (laughs) crop top at the ready yep 
doll's kill crop top, excuse me. Um, it was a really great moment, and I was surrounded by a lot of love, and I remember hearing this dark voice from the shadow dimension say, is this it? And I, like, went into a spiral for weeks. And it was a trick. The whole thing was a ruse, of course. And it shows, it shows up again, I think, with men easiest because I can per- put it on a person. I can say that person is going to be the judge of me now. And anything I do, he's going to notice. And if I fuck up, he's going to judge me. And, and whatever he says goes. And I've been realizing that recently. And it can be any guy. It doesn't matter. And sometimes the guys are per- perfectly nice or benign or it doesn't matter. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they su- it doesn't matter. I just have to get really clear about like, bitch, I know you and I see you and you will like, I want to be able to enjoy sex. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. I should be making out with whoever the fuck I want to make out with. And I should feel it in the moment and not be like playing out a scenario in my head. And I will do it. I will triumph. But you will. it takes a lot of work. It takes work. It takes a lot of messages you send yourself throughout the day in your mind. And like silencing the negative, which is always going to be there. It's part of you. It's who you are. Your, right. inner, your inner saboteur, it's inside of you all the time. You carry it with you. But you don't need to give it space. You just kind of let it lay dormant and then there's going to be low moments there's always going to be low moments but you don't need to stew in those you need to just feel them let them wash over you and then come up for air and move on you know i i haven't i've i dated someone for a few weeks at the beginning of this year didn't it ended whatever i i haven't really i haven't had sex in a while i've done sexual things you know but i haven't had like you know p and v sex in a while and i said I'm not the next person I have sex with. I want to actually like the person. I want it <laughs> on a basic <laughs> personal level. Yeah. Not I want to date them. I want to like them. I want to care if they live or die. And I want them to care if I live or die. And guess what? It's been months. It's been months. All you have to do is set a new low. You set a new bar, which is incredibly low. But you just then you ra- you you need to set the standard for yourself because I know the situations you're in at least what you've shared with me and I think you deserve nothing but a prince who is going to worship you and have a mutual respect with you and not treat you like you're disposable because you're not and what I realized that made me so sad at one point was every single guy I've slept with I've given a piece of myself to them that I'm never going to get back. And I know that's kind of an old-fashioned way of thinking about it. And I'm not saying just because I'm a woman. I have a piece of them, too. I'm going to think about them for the rest of my life, you know, no matter how it ended. I gave them something of myself that I'll never get back. And I'm worth a lot. And I gave it to them for nothing. So I just, I'm not doing that anymore. Do you believe that, Mary Beth? Because I feel like... The one thing about all of this, about the fact that I wasn't present, that I was so out of it, that I was projecting is the real intrinsic me in some ways feel like it's feels like it's been untouched and or rarely touched. Mm -hmm. Yes. Once in a while, there was someone who got all the way in and I get it. They did take something. But in some ways, I'm almost like. Oh, no one has actually been lucky enough that's to good. really get there. No, that's good. And since then, I have put up a lot more emotional walls to where now if I like hook up with someone or 
suck their dick or whatever. You know, they're not they're not seeing the real me, like the core of who I am. I'm not exposing that anymore. But I think in at least heterosexual relationships, it's um, men dump a lot of shit on me. I don't know if it's everyone, but I've definitely given them space in my mind and in my life. And I have not felt that in return. And those are the situations where I feel like they took something from me. Mm. And the way I explained it to my therapist was like, it's like you watch a few episodes of a TV show and you get invested and then the show gets canceled. You never know how it ends. I have all this information about these people I fucked up with, about how fucked up they are. And I don't get to see how it ends. I just... And all those male writers in that room go on to bigger and better Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they do. And no one talks about it. No one talks about it. I, I, I think what I'm learning is that I actually think I need to like kind of become a fuckboy a little bit. Like I need to embrace the power of it Mm -hmm. and I need to become that monster. Like I want to take some of their chutzpah and, and have it for myself so that I can level up. Yeah. And you don't have to use it for evil, you know, but I remember I was upset. I've never spoken about this publicly, but I slept with someone who ended up ghosting me. And I was very upset because I point blank said to him, I don't want to have a one night stand. If we have sex tonight, I'm going to want to see you again. He left. He didn't sleep over. And I had sex with someone else that morning. It's like, how can I be upset when I was not like, how can I be upset about that first guy? If I wasn't even fully in it, you know, it was like, I had to become a fuck boy to come out on the other side. Mm. And I think, I was scared when I would reflect on those times because I don't want to be that person. I want to be communicative and I want to be respectful and I want to I want to be someone that is positive. I don't want to put people in the state that I've been put in, you know, and I don't think either of those guys felt that way. But I it was like, is it really fair of me to expect more of people when I don't expect more of myself? Like if I'm having sex with two people in one night, to, uh, essentially, you know, I slept in between, right. took a shower, but it, they're not I that's that's not what I, I want. That That's recently. not what I want to do. It's not. But that was just one more thing that led me to this point. And something I say on the show is like, because one of the steps of the program is to feel gratitude. And it's like, I am happy for all the fuckboys who ghosted me because if they didn't, then I would be currently dating a fuckboy. I don't want to do that. So it's like, you really just have to take stock of what you've been through and and put a feeling to it, honor it, be thankful for it, and then grow from it so i want to ask this has been incredible but i'm like (laughs) i'm truly i hope it helps even one person i can because i don't have all the answers but you are channeling some like i know it's the eclipse but i do feel like a portal is opening up around you thank you from your power center so i want to know what what next because you've been on Things have been escalating for you very, very quickly. I feel very privileged to see that. You are on top of it. But I want to know where you want to take it and how I can be serving that, basically. Well, there's a few ways that I think it could go. Um, I'm, like, nervous to talk about it because there's some things that are, like, unsettled at the moment. Essentially, what would be best is to just reach more people like that's always the goal you know so i i i toy with the idea of making it a podcast or pitching it for tv or 
you know, continuing to do the live show, which I'm going to do. Um, the next one's August 8th at Chelsea Music Hall. But I think just like figuring out what is the best way to reach the most people and so that people don't feel like they're in this alone because they're not. And I know that's like a very broad way of presenting it. And I, we can talk offline about what's kind of, of like course. what else is in the pipeline. But for me right now, it's like I have had these realizations that might help people. And, you know, I just turned 28 years old. It's like this, my Saturn returns, et cetera. But like this behavior is only going to be acceptable for so long. And not because of society, but because of me. I don't want to be... I don't want to feel like this forever. Like no. I feel like I'm in a powerful place right now and I don't think that um, I would fall into old habits so easily anymore. But I want to I want to just like – well, I also open the show. I have everyone stand up and hug the person on either side of them. Like I just wish I could give all the people who feel the way I feel like a hug and just say like you're worth so much more because as much as we enable these people like – it's be we only allow that because we don't feel like we deserve more naturally and that's what i want to just say is like if we raise the expectations fuck boys will have no chance but to adapt you adapt or you die like yeah you either get with it or you end up alone and i wonder what it looks like for these guys in their 30s who are 10 years into being a fuck boy and now they want to settle down it's like you can't just take that you have been rooted in this now for a decade Right. While the rest of us are only getting better. Yeah. And while we are realizing that we need more than what you've been giving. And I don't think I think reform is possible. It can happen. But it's I just I guess the goal for this would just be to make people feel like they're worth more. And the goal for you, for the Mary Beth Barone institution slash industry, may I ask, like, where where do you want to be going or or doing or. I, I'm in a place which I love where I feel like I'm actually doing everything I want to be doing. I just want the money and the scale to change. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious if there are any other goals or dreams come like that you feel you want to grab. Yeah, I, I've i tried to be really comfortable about talking about what I want because I think if you can't put it out, it's really hard to like make it come to fruition. I used to have a, a wall in my apartment in my room that had post-its of like, short-term, medium-term, long-term, and then accomplished. Yes. I've since taken it down. It definitely sparked a lot of conversation when I would bring home guys. <laughs> uh, but I decided it was getting too distracting from the immediate. But I want to have a TV show. I want to yes. be in movies. I want to have a – I want a tour. I want to be able to, you know, reach my audience and make it a much bigger audience. Those would be goals, you know, larger goals. I think to start small, you know, I want to be – you know, get some acting roles, like – on TV shows or movies. That'd be nice. I'm auditioning and I'm putting a lot of effort into that. I just, just quit my full-time job less than a month ago. So it's like, I know it's like, it's nice to have the, have the time and the resources within myself to like really put what I want into these things. So, you know, I, I want to, people ask me all the time, well, whose career do you want? Who do you see? And you say, I want that. And it's easy to map based on someone else but I think what I want is so specific and if my audience is more niche as a result of me trying to do it this way I'm okay with that I would rather deeply resonate with a smaller percentage of the population than scratch the surface of what every person in the world is going through 
I'm kind of done with whose career do you want? Because when you're actually really doing it, you are creating something new and you are creating a new dialogue and a new discourse. I don't really need to see Mary Beth Barone do something that anyone else has done. You have already charted a new course for yourself. Yeah. So follow that. I will. And I will say just one last thing. Um, a, a piece of advice that I have gained from you is take a hot selfie mm-hmm. and send it to your friends. <laughs> yes. Okay. Please Don't do this. Don't send it to a man. Send it to your friends and then celebrate one another and, and lift each other up. Absolutely. Have that one friend or have those three friends or five friends or 100 friends you. or have a Finstagram. Yes. <laughs> Put it out there. I have you, Zach Teague, Jay Jordan are just like getting them every week for me. <laughs> and that's amazing because you know what? A lot of people ask me, why do you post like such scandalous pictures online? I'm not always going to look like this. Okay. And I want to be able to look back and feel like I celebrated my youth and my body and and, my power and you should be worshipped every inch of you and if getting validation through likes on instagram is one way that i feel that i will i'm gonna fucking do it i don't care shameless don't care do it me too it feels incredible so drag his ass is at chelsea music hall on august 8th i will say that you should follow mary beth because um she's extremely prolific and has shows I, honestly, since Gemini season, I feel like you have something on the fire all the time. So something, if you can't make it on August 8th, <laughs> the, the job quitting thing, it does change everything. In terms of stakes, this is it. I, I, I'm in that place too where I'm like, all right, bitch, everything I do now, it's on me. Mm-hmm. I can't blame it on my my shitty job. It is on me now. So I, anyways, you've been in that place for a while though, but I, I where can people follow you? At Mary Beth Barone on Instagram and Twitter. Love. I have a YouTube channel, website, marybethbarone.com. That's where I post upcoming shows and things. Um, and that's me. That's me, babe. Well, um, I'm sorry I wasn't funnier. I feel like we got into some very no. <laughs> serious This topics. is not. <laughs> no one comes here to laugh. Okay, good. I love you with all my heart. I'm so thankful uh, to have you. And I think it's just going to get bigger and better. I hope so. It starts now. It starts now. Thank you. 